This is the Smart and Hot Podcast with Julia Padavana. The Smart and Hot Podcast is a playful exploration of all things personal development, wellness, spirituality, life advice, and lessons learned along the way. Consider this a safe space for authentic, soulful, love-infused conversations that will support you on your journey to becoming your smartest, hottest self. Take a deep breath, say something kind to yourself, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Smart and Hot podcast. I am so excited for you all to listen to today's episode. I have a super fucking exciting, nasty guest for you. I had the pleasure of speaking with Gina Caton. She is most notably known as the founder of Little Miss Nasty, which is a heavy metal burlesque group. She is also the lead singer of her own band, Gina and the Eastern Block. And a little bit about her, she is an artist and entrepreneur with a serious leaning towards a zero-fucks attitude. Little Miss Nasty was born in 2011, and since then, they have grown exponentially with ongoing sold-out residencies in LA, New York, San Francisco, Vegas, San Diego, and countless other towns across the country. Little Miss Nasty has the very real mission to spread empowerment and freedom globally, particularly to women and the LGBTQI community. Gina is so inspiring, her story is so badass, and this conversation honestly speaks for itself. So without further ado, Gina Caden, welcome to the Smart and Hot podcast. Welcome, Gina, to the Smart and Hot Podcast. Thank you, baby. Thank you for having me. I am so excited for this conversation and to get to know you and Little Miss Nasty. But first, start off my episodes by asking my guests what energy they're in. So, like, tell us the space that you're in currently, what your vibe is today. All right. Well, last night was the full moon, right? Super spiritual, in my zone, ready to rock the world. Today, I woke up excited, inspired, but something inside of me is brewing. There is some kind of fire flowing, so now I'm I'm up and I'm down and I'm full of flames, and so... <laughs> it was a fiery one, for sure. And I'm a fire sign, and so it's constantly running through my veins. But What's something about your sign? I'm a Sagittarius. That makes so much sense. What are you? Cancer. Ooh, yeah. That's so funny. Like, it's my opposite. Yeah. In a way. No, but I love fire signs. Like I feel like they bring out a different side of me, which I like. <laughs> what? Well, Okay, so I'm a Sagittarius sun. That's our main sign, right? And then I'm a Scorpio yeah. rising. A lot of okay. people, Scorpio, just based on everything. Mm-hmm. And then what is the third one? Um, Your moon. My moon. So I'm a Capricorn moon, which is very 
organized. That's a good comment. That makes so much sense just based off of everything that you do. Like you telling me that I'm like, oh yeah, I mean, of course. Some people think I'm like airy and out there, but I'm actually quite grounded and very fiery. (laughs) I love it. Well, tell the audience what makes you smart and hot. Oh my gosh. Well, I think the smartest thing I've ever done is use and embrace my one-of-a-kind energy and uniqueness and put it into my vision and brand. Because I feel like these days, especially these days with TikTok and trends and all this copycat energy, not that it's a bad thing, it's you know what people have to do. You people lose their sense of self and just what makes them unique and one of a kind. You know, we're all so different. We have many things to offer and people just want to jump on the next trend and be like everyone else. So for me, I feel like I'm pretty fucking smart by using what makes Gina unique. And what makes me unique is what you see on stage. I birthed this brand and... uh, before everyone else copied it. <laughs> but I just dive into being me and being fearless. Mm-hmm. And I think that's smart. So <laughs> I'm a studious queen. And I think being hot is easy. You know, mm-hmm. it's a confidence. You're either hot or not. And it's all about how you feel inside. And the world feels that. So what you do with your hotness is what makes you smart. Oh my God. Thank you for also like reflecting my brand back to me because that's exactly what it means to be smart and hot is to just be the absolute fullest version of you that is unique to you and only you. Like be the absolute smartest, hottest version of yourself and know that it's not going to look like everyone else's. Oh no. And there's no shame about you being you and you should jump in fearlessly and embrace that. Because I also feel a lot of people, I think a lot of people do have the vision inside themselves of what makes them unique, one of a kind, maybe they can put a business venture forth based off of that, but they're afraid. And so another thing that makes me smart and hot is I'm fucking fearless Mm -hmm. and I have no shame. I will promote the shit out of every single thing I do, just shameless self-promotion left and right. So many people are embarrassed of the fact of putting themselves out there, pushing their art or their brand as if it's putting on people's faces too much or what are they going to think? Are they going to judge me? Am I obnoxious? But nobody is going to push you like you are. And if you aren't standing behind yourself, nobody else is going to. Nobody is going to give a fuck if you aren't fully believing in your truth and putting it out there. As I conquered all those fears, it made me fucking smart. And now I'm out here showing women and the world they can do it too. You just got to believe in yourself. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I love it. Where this fearlessness came from. I know you said that you conquered some fears to get here. What is your journey with building this? Okay. Well, my family is super supportive. Anything I've ever wanted to do, they were there by my side. Like, let's go, girl. Always pushing me in the artistic direction. As soon as I knew I was an artist and it was my passion and my destiny, everyone was so helpful and helping guide me. And I come from a family of artists and whatnot, too. So 
that obviously helped me, you know, venture out to the big city and go for my dreams. Mm-hmm. However, I, being an artist, uh, I know a lot of artists are like this too. They're, you're very shy. There's almost like the curse of the artist where you're kind of closed off and a lone wolf and afraid or, you know, there's all these insecurities that come with being an artist too, which I definitely had, but I was so good at faking it, the confidence until it was real. I was, people thought I was so fucking sure of myself my entire career. And a lot of the time I would be in a car before an audition, just like trying to talk myself Mm -hmm. into walking in the door, even though Mm -hmm. I knew I'd probably go book it and I was going to fucking slay and, you know, I'm good at what I do, but just nobody would know that I was in the car having a fucking panic attack. Like I got to go and put myself out there because, you know, Mm -hmm. there's the rejection, there's that hurts. I just feel like over time I was like, fuck it. (laughs) And that's kind of the motto. And sorry if I cuss a lot on here. I'll try to. um, No, you don't have to try to. (laughs) I conquered the fears by just putting myself out there over and over again and saying fuck it and uh, faking it till I made it, basically. You just have to pretend you're coming. You will eventually become her. You'll attract it. You have to embody it before it becomes, you know, your external reality by being it. Yeah, just by being it. And I used to, when I was kind of going through anxiety and all this and that, um, just repeating mantras to myself. I know it sounds cheesy. Even YouTube videos that are like, you are confident. You are a fucking queen. You're going to go make this happen. Just the simplest stuff. There was a few years where I would drill this shit in my brain constantly mm-hmm. because I needed help getting out of this insecure, scared hole. And so just, you know, looking at yourself, like, girl, you fucking got this. It's mindset. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So let's go back to you finding that you wanted to be a performing artist and your journey in becoming that. Like, talk about your childhood. Was it always your dream to be a dancer, a performer? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So always my dream. I knew it since I was a child. I Dance was my first passion. So dancer through and through. My main goal in life was to become a famous dancer when I was younger. My dad is a musician. He's a touring rock artist. He has his own band. We have a recording studio in my hometown house basement. So my whole life, music was just in my face. He would record all of his albums right next to my bedroom. I would be trying to sleep for school, and it was just his whole band going the fuck off, just loud as hell. You know, it was always pushed in my face, this whole musical life. So I kind of went against it. You know, you're rebelling against your parents growing up. I was like, I'm going to dance. I don't want to be a musical artist. Like, that's for you, dad. I'm not following in your footsteps. I'm different. You know, (laughs) and I come to realize music is also my passion. So there's that whole thing. But coming up, I was a dancer and I just dove in, rocked that shit, knew I wanted to move to a big city and pursue this. I'm from Hell, Michigan. You probably mm-hmm. never heard of it. It's the smallest 
it's not even a town. It's a village. It's actually like a street around a lake called Hell. And there's 76 people that are from there. And I'm one of them. Wow. So me being there, I, you know, I'm like, okay, this obviously isn't my life forever. I knew that. The first chance I had, I was in New York City. I'm like, okay. So first I moved Mm -hmm. to New York City to pursue dance. And I worked at Broadway Dance Center. I loved it. I almost stayed there for my career, but something drew me to L.A. for this other dance school. So I eventually chucked my booty across the country to Los Angeles. And for the past, you know, decade or two, (laughs) shit, I've been in L.A. just rocking my thing. And dance has been amazing. I, I conquered all of my dream jobs, my vision board, everything I ever wanted to do with dance. Meanwhile, I talk about that fear, the anxiety that I had in my younger years. Um, I knew I wanted to be a singer too. I was just so scared. You know, mm-hmm. vocalizing and singing in front of anyone is just the scariest thing you could probably ever do. It's so vulnerable, especially not being a trained singer, you know, throughout my entire life. But something inside me was like, bitch, go for this. Like, you have one life. What are you waiting for? You're wasting your time dancing behind artists who can barely dance or sing. And they're fucking do this, you know? Yes. So I went for it. <laughs> and I quit dance. Oh, I was like, fuck this. And I started a band. And I started Little Miss Nasty sort of at the same time. And so I just, like, changed. And I didn't want to and dance completely because I love dance. I still dance to this day, you know, as long as my joints allow me. But so I had to carry on in some way. And Little Miss Nasty just kind of like came about. And that's how I knew. I just always knew and I went for it. I never held back in chasing dreams. No, I think that's amazing. And it's also so inspiring to hear that because I think that a lot of young people, women especially, have big dreams for themselves, whether they were from childhood or they've like carried on as part of us for all of our life. But so many women are scared to go after it. And even when they are going after it, as you mentioned, like there's so much shame around that, around like promoting yourself and being your own biggest fan. And I think that that is something that holds a lot of women back. Oh, for sure. I know what you mean, and I see that because coming across so many other artists and performing artists in LA and New York, I see the stardom in them. And not everyone Mm -hmm. wants to be stars, but I see their gifts, and I Mm -hmm. think they should shine. And a lot of these women, do you want to come do Little Miss Nessie? You know, I want these superstar powers with me, so you know we're stronger together. Let's fucking rise. And I just see some ladies, you know, come try to live their dreams for one year or two years and they're trying to pursue it. They get knocked down a couple of times and they're like, you know what? I'm moving back to Phoenix. See you later. Mm -hmm. And my heart breaks for them because I know they had it in them and they're so talented. Their talent deserves to be seen and to touch other people. It's just like, you have to have that fight and that power and the strength and you really have to want it. And Mm -hmm. I just feel you know, like life is so short and before you know it, you're going to be fucking 50 and yeah, you can still perform and do all this and that, but why not just go for it? If you have it in you, whatever you want to go for. And 50 honestly is young. 
I'm saying you're going to die before you know it. I know that's like dark mm-hmm. and scary, but <laughs> no, but it's, it's like, true. Oh, you know that. Just go. Yeah, absolutely. Then you, you have to do it. Like everything, honestly, that I do with my life now is like for my 13 year old self. Like I grew up a dancer too. And then I was so burnt out and miserable by my senior year of high school that I was like, I'm, this is, I'm over it. And then I quit. And then now I ended up like six years later, I'm in New York and I came here for other reasons. Like I had a job that I moved here for, but now that wait, like, why am I not dancing? Like it's, this has been part of me for my entire life. Like I, I need to do it. And I, it's just like, it's not even my ego that wants to do it anymore. It's like my entire just being needs to do it. And I think that it took me a long time to be able to like wear certain limiting beliefs and things that I had to go through and heal within myself before I was able to get back to this place. So I think that you reflecting like has and like the fearlessness to just go after what your like soul's calling is because we all have one, but Mm -hmm. it's up to us whether or not we listen to it. Yeah, for sure. And you're calling, you know, you do have this thing in your mind and you're like, that's my ultimate goal. I'm going to, you know, to the smallest little thing, I'm going to back up dance for Britney Spears or something, say like a little dancer coming up. Mm-hmm. But you have to be open to Other sort of possibilities. more and yeah. follow that wave because mm-hmm. that's something I learned because I was so stuck on goals coming up, mm-hmm. just exact goals. You know, I want to be in the Pussycat Dolls, which I was. But before that, what if I didn't take all those other dance auditions that were for other burlesque shows that were sort of along the line of the Pussycat Dolls that mm-hmm. what helped me meet the one girl who does dance in Pussycat Dolls that connected me, you know, it's kind of like this yeah. tree and the branches and people are so fearful of accepting some other journey mm-hmm. or venture or road. But what they don't know is this is the universe kind of dropping little hints and seeds like here. You want this? Here is this little opportunity. Take it. It's I'm handing it to you right now. It's right in front of your face. This will help you get there. As small as it seems and as off path as you may think, like, ah, oh, that's I don't know if that's for me, but there's always something to learn there. There is always a connection to be made. And you never know if it's the direct, you know, detour to what you really want. And so I feel like a lot of people who do come to big cities or to chase their dreams, they often turn down certain auditions and opportunities and just grind it out working at Starbucks, waiting for that one big audition for their ideal role. And they miss so many other things. You just have to ride it out and mm-hmm. uh, you know, be patient and be happy every single opportunity you get because it's all taking you to the final destination. And there yeah. is no final destination, really. Okay. Yeah. And the, the opportunities and the experiences that you have along the way, I know it sounds corny, but like it's so true. And yeah. I think that, that is such – it's like a metaphor for life. Like every opportunity that you're given, every experience that comes along your path, every challenge that comes along your path is going to take you to the next place that you're supposed to be. So – I have chosen this perspective with my life where I am just of like constantly leveling up through your entire you view each 
thing that you're dealt with as an opportunity. Yes, for sure. And that goes the same with other human beings and your encounters with people and letdowns and all of that. Cause you could really internalize that and be just destroyed. Like, oh, I can't believe this person treated me like this, or they just cut me off or, but you have to realize, you know, it's all for your good. It's, it's there mm-hmm. to push you along and hurt only lasts temporarily. Mm-hmm. You'll never know that feeling weeks down the road, everything's still be fine. You know, mm-hmm. it's okay to go through pain, up, but it's never, it's never for real, for real. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about Little Miss Nasty and mm-hmm. Gina and the Eastern Block. Where, when were the two like created? Were they around the same time or tell us the journey? Yeah. So you were just saying how you danced and you didn't dance and you sort of my escapade as well and I wasn't dancing for a temporary small amount of time but um I joined a girl group I don't know some people know this but some people don't and we were dancing at first and then we were singing and I told you I was terrified to sing and so I was like like all fucking nervous on the mic you know holding it a mile away from my face and uh, because they sensed how nervous I was singing or just not fully in it to win it yet they ended up taking me out of vocals not inviting me to the recording studio anymore but all along I wanted to continue to learn and push myself and eventually just dive in and so at this point I was kind of fucking fed up and I'm like you know what fine you don't want to give me the chance to sing more than background vocals then I'm gonna quit and start my own band (laughs) so sort of at that time me and some of the other cast members quit this group. I started my own band with my boo, Mark. And that was my time for exploration just in music in general and finding my own voice and songwriting. And I was always a really good rapper. I know that sounds totally weird because look at me, I'm like <laughs> vampire, but I love hip hop and rapping and I just loved writing raps. And so I kind of applied that into my songwriting and Mark helped me record some songs. We developed our group. At the same time, uh, my friends at the Viper Room, it's this iconic Sunset Strip venue down the street. Um, He's like, yo, I want to start a dance show that will open for national artists that come through. And I was like, okay. And he's like, do you want to do it or help me out? And I was like, sure. Like I just left my other dance show. I can fucking do this. And so he gave me the reins and I just developed it from there. So honestly, it wasn't something I was seeking. It was Mm -hmm. like an opportunity (laughs) handed to me because at that time I really wanted to pursue music and be the front woman of my own band. But then the dance show opportunity came about and I was like, yo, this is right up my alley. I love this shit. Of course I want to do this. It's so fun. You know, let's, Let's do this. And so it was around the same time and I just – I didn't know that Little Miss Nasty was kind of something that was like given to you in the form of that. So I guess tell us about the inspiration behind Little Miss Nasty. Like how did it become Little Miss Nasty? Okay. So in my original girl group, um, 
you know how people catch on to a word and you can't stop saying it. You're like, oh, that's so beat. You're beat. That's beat. She's beat. Back in the day, I said nasty over everything. I was like, ooh, that's so nasty. And they're like, ooh, do you like this song? I'm like, that's nasty. Or I'd be shopping. I'm like, mm, that jacket is so nasty. I need it. So people started calling me the nasty stiletto because the girl group's name was Darling Stilettos. So like, ooh, she's the nasty one. Or it just became my identity for a while. So when I was trying to come up with the name for the new show at the Viper Room, I was like, hmm, I'm like, I could be, it could be something nasty. Like, that's just so suiting for my, it was one of these pageant shows called Little Miss Perfect. It was, it was sort of like toddlers and tiaras. I don't know if you know those. Yeah, yeah. Like beauty I do. Kid shows. Mm. So I was obsessed with this show and I thought it was the cutest name. And I was like, wait, I'm like, not Little Miss Perfect. And I was like, Little Miss Nasty. Because it was just like, it's so fucking perfect. And I was like, that's it. I'm like, Little Miss Nasty is born. And as far as the concepts and the music choices, at this time, there were only dance shows that had rock and roll in it where it was like Guns N' Roses or 80s hair metal or anything super predictable, like pour some sugar on me. Just, you know, yeah. the the bar songs where everyone knows it's a sing-along. Your, your mom knows it. Your grandma knows it. And uh, I dance to that shit. Like everyone that's already been done, you know, mm-hmm. we did 80s hair metal in my other girl group. I'm like, that is like not the direction I want to go. I was more obsessed with bands like Marilyn Manson and the shock rockers that were so over the top and theatrical and vulgar and pushing limits on stage. And, you know, the classic iconic punk rock from the plasmatics who basically invented wearing nipple tape on your nipples and going on stage and she would legit blow shit up she would put a convertible on stage or a cadillac and light a bomb and the car fucking explodes and then this other shock rocker Gigi allen would get butt-ass naked and smash his head against the wall until blood was dripping down his face and take literal take a huge shit i swear to god on the stage, squat in a little pile, take a shit and throw it at the audience, smear it on his face. Like he was obviously out of his mind, but this kind of stuff inspired me. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with Marilyn Manson or Alice Cooper, the original Alice Cooper was the original shock rocker, but my time it was more like Marilyn Manson and then of course like the Rage Against the Machine era of like, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. Just like with that passion and that rage. And I was like, what if we dance to this? I'm like, what if we wear lingerie with a leather jacket? Just like all these thoughts that people would never do because people think for less like lace and feathers and gloves and nipple tassels. And I was like, bitch, no. I'm like, we are going to put our fishnets on and shred them. We are going to have studded belts overlapping our G-strings. We're going to wear a fucking leather jacket over our lingerie. Like, it was so edgy at the time. Like, people like, yeah. And like, oh, I mean, now you see it everywhere. But I'm telling you, when it first started in 2000. You did it first. You made it a thing. So I took this whole other darker journey of, like, punk rock attitude and 
thrashing around and headbanging and fucking soaking ourselves in beer and like spitting at the audience, just like the most vile, over the top stuff we could get away with was Mm -hmm. what I wanted to do. And so that was sort of my vibe. And I was like, let's test this out. And uh, we started a little residency there, open for the national acts, and people were eating it up from from jump. They were like, fuck yeah. Just, I, I swear we've never had a bad show since 2012. And people just like felt empowered because they're like, shit, these aren't just gorgeous, talented women doing a dance showing us like, oh, look how beautiful they are. Look mm-hmm. how sexy they can be. Like, yeah, that's part of it. And of course, that's true. But who expects, you know, the beautiful girl next door with a slight edge to go out there and act like a fucking beast, having an exorcism, flailing around like someone shooting her up with a machine gun, you know, drenching herself in beer, spitting around, just, you know, it's empowering to show how much rage and expression that women can have. It's just not cute and beautiful, you know? Oh my God. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And more yes. And it's like, I I mean, I've been to the past two New York shows at House of Yes. Yeah. I went to both of them. And it's just like the feeling you get during the show. It's just like the whole time you're like on the edge of your seat, like, holy fuck, what is happening? It's like, yeah. the, that's what, but that's, I think what resonates so much is that like fullness of it. Like it is like the probably a representation at least for me this is like my interpretation it's like all those dark repressed parts of the female and human psyche that mm-hmm. is just like theatrical and like a well-produced way like it's just like it's genius and it's really awesome so Aww, we love it so fun new york goes off for us when i tell no, you like every night I was like literal tears in my eyes I'm like you guys I love you yeah really good and House of Yes is just like amazing like it's like the best place such a everyone who works there is amazing the everything we do it's always a great time yeah Um, we had an amazing experience with our residency there and you said at hundreds of venues we performed at I mean fuck maybe even a thousand they treated us the best beautiful okay so Little Miss Nasty started at the Viper Room. How did it start to grow from there? So uh, after the Viper Room, we kind of bounced around and we moved down the Sunset Strip and did a residency at another club that used to be called the Key Club. And that's no longer there. It's now One Oak or some like big, massive hip hop club. But... We ventured over there. We went down to Boys Town, which is West Hollywood. We started doing girl nights at the Abbey, which is like the biggest gay club or the most popular gay club in the world. And so we kind of were right away into this queer scene. They were eating it up. We did a whole bunch of um, like Dinah Shore and gay pride performances and festivals and We were just reaching a wider audience, not just like rock and roll, sunset strip, metalheads. We were expanding our audience big time. Um, Then out of the blue, I went down to see a show at this small venue called Harvell's. 
And it was super popular for this other amazing burlesque show back in the day called Harlow Gold. Tracy Phillips is a choreographer. She's so artistic and stunning. And the show is just phenomenal. So I was sitting there watching it with my friend. And I was like, damn, like I could put a full show together like this. Because it was the whole night, you know, three acts, two intermissions, just like the full shebang. Mm -hmm. So my friend went to the bathroom, but ended up talking to the owner along her route and was like, look, my friend is a show. Can she do it here? And he's like, have her send me like a press kit, whatever, whatever. I sent in my thing and he's like, let's go. And I was like, oh my God, I get to put my own whole show up because originally we were doing like a 15 minute hit it and bang it out type show. I didn't have the Mm -hmm. full production yet and I didn't really have the opportunity to like set the entire night. So as Mm -hmm. soon as I had that chance, I dove right in and used all my resources and started as like a mom and pop. It still is a mom and pop business and company, but I just had friends and family helping. My boyfriend, Mark, came on board as my co-producer and helped with everything along the way. Girls in the cast were helping me choreograph. It was just like all hands on deck. Let's make this thing happen and grow. As soon as we launched at Harvell's, it started growing very quickly. It was sold out nearly every single show. Word was just getting out in the entertainment industry. We were booking private events, cool things. One day, the lead singer of In This Moment, it's um, like a modern rock and metal band, her manager reached out and he's like, hey, Maria wants you to come on tour and open for seven weeks, a national U.S. tour. And I was like, what? I'm like, how are we going to do that? You know, we're, we're this like interactive show. How are we going to go on this massive stage and perform in front of 5,000 people every night? Like, I don't know. What am I going to do? And Mark is like, let's do this. Let's fuck it. Let's do it. And I was like, let's go. So that was our first big break. We went out. And it's so embarrassing to look back because now I would do things so much differently. I mean, I just can't even believe some of the numbers I put up (laughs) onto this like heavy metal tour. But this this tour sort of transformed Little Miss Nasty into an even darker, heavier sound and performance because I get to her audience a bit more. But Mm -hmm. we headed out and we did seven fucking weeks every single night opening for In This Moment. And after that, more people were calling. Lords of Asa, this other band from the 90s, was doing a six-week U.S. run. Like, we want you to open for us. We're like, okay. And then we were locking in Vegas shows. And then we locked in our first Vegas residency. And so everything just, like, started happening very, very quickly. If we weren't on tour, we had a full-time Vegas residency going at one casino or the other. And it was just, like really took off I was like oh let's go bitch let's fucking go yeah it's meant to be it's meant to be and when it's like so aligned with you I just feel like all in so I want to talk a little bit about your creative process what is your relationship to your creativity how do you nurture it like what's your creative practice look like my creative practice Well, I'm lucky enough to have never had an actual job where I have to be somewhere at a certain time or do anything that anyone else wants me to do. Because for me, I really need time and space and privacy to be creative. I'm not a big group creative type. I am alone. I spend 90% of my life alone. I know this sounds like very depressing and like, 
weird. The same way. I'm literally the same. Legit, Mark is the only person I see unless I'm like at the show or doing something like that. But I need my time and my space. I need to be bumping music. Um, I will sort through a thousand songs in one day and just let them roll. Um, sometimes, you know, a little cannabis helps get me in the zone. Um, I love nature. I love going for walks. I'm very much inspired by not just music and dance. Obviously, that's fucking incredible. But I, I just realized this lately. Fashion drives me. If mm-hmm. For me, if I find a cute prop or just something tangible, like if I'm feeling uninspired or uncreative, I will go through my clothes. And girl, when I tell you I have fucking clothes and costumes and one of a kind and vintage things for days, I have three racks outside of my closet taking up my entire room, just like so much shit. So, and I save everything. I cannot let anything go. And I will just go through and I'll find one little scarf or if I'm online shopping, I find one little thing. As soon as I have that fashion item or object, I can come up with a whole number based around. If I'm ever uninspired, I just go through my clothes and I'll like try things on. I'll put on a random outfit. Musicians, um, like you would hear the music first. And that's like what would Yeah. Well it's either or but yeah. I, it's like I don't know, it's just so strange. Like I will just know I wanna do something based off of, you know, as soon as I find a sick mask, I'm like, ooh, this could be and then I have this whole concept and then I the music comes together. But I have playlists with hundreds of songs that I've been collecting off the wall, hidden gems. I've hunted Spotify for weeks on end and I collect these and I don't know when I'm going to use them but I know I'll use them eventually and that's the same Mm -hmm. thing with clothes and so if I'm buying these weird props or just for a rainy day like I just have things hanging around and then one day it all clicks so that's like my spirit angels and god is like get that thing get that thing collect it put it in your space and then Mm -hmm. the piece will come together so it's just like everything no, I have a lot of weird things all around. I'm just like this weird artsy, like gotchy. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So you mentioned like, are you like, what's your relationship with spirituality? I think spirituality and creative energy like go very much hand in hand. But do you consider yourself like a spiritual person? Yeah, for sure. I'm very spiritual. Um, I was born and raised Catholic, and I kind of knew that wasn't really for me. like teach their own everyone has their own god and beliefs and but the main thing is really just like hope everyone is just mm-hmm. like searching for this hope and um yeah so I, I basically pray to the universe uh just it i don't even know mm-hmm. god yeah i feel different like god though like mm-hmm. we are god mm-hmm. and i say like um some of my biggest spiritual leaders that I look up to mm-hmm. I love yeah. listening to or reading his books when I feel like reading but I'm more of a listener mm-hmm. um or Abraham Hicks she's wild but yeah. she channels her dead husband and <laughs> but everything she says is so mind-blowing it's the same concept over and over but it, the way she puts it just mm-hmm. continuously 
simplifies it and you're like, oh, oh. Because if you don't constantly remind yourself, you can get swept away so fast into the darkness, the tragic real world of humanity and, you know, cyberbullying and fucking crazy people everywhere. So for me, I have a, a morning and a nightly routine. And I it's was basically going Yeah. Yeah. So wait, so- okay. I want to hear it. <laughs> I wake up, don't even open my eyes. I just go through. Well, I basically start small. And so I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> this is like so dramatic. I'm like, my bed is so comfortable. I'm like, thank you, God, for this amazing sleep. And I'm like, wow, I'm in this fucking fierce bed. And I'm like in shelter and I'm safe. And I just start with literally that every single day. And I look over, I'm like, thank you for Mark. I'm like, oh my gosh, he works so hard and I love him so much. And like, we're in this together. It's my team and like my cats. And I I just go through every single thing. And and it doesn't take longer than five or 10 minutes. I know, you know, meditation is amazing and some people can hours. I'm very like, gotta go, gotta go. Mm -hmm. And then I do, I set my intentions for the day because being I don't want to say a fucking psycho, but a fire sign and just like, ha, you know, I'm like, I'm wild, I'm intense, all of these things, but I'm also like caring and sweet and calm when I can be. I have to remind myself to have a great day. Don't, mm-hmm. you know, take everything too seriously. Don't be so intense. Be careful how I come at people because I am very direct and blunt and black and white and it could come off as being aggressive or it could hurt other people so mm-hmm. I do have to set my intention today like no matter what I'm doing today I was like I'm gonna have a great fucking podcast you know I want to speak clearly and have all my thoughts come out because my brain is like the artist woman you know mm-hmm. so I start with that and then I rise and I to my animals not actually like that but you know and then have a fucking great day before I go to bed. Well, usually like I call it midnight yoga, but it's not mm-hmm. even yoga. I don't, like I said, I'm so fiery. It's hard for me to calm down and do like an actual yoga, but it's in and I put on the same meditation music that I've been using for years. I'm very um, repetitive. What's the word? Mm-hmm. Well, I do mm-hmm. everything. Like every day, it's so weird. But I'll just like stop, and I do my planks, and I do my stretching, whatever I need. I'm over my bed. It's really what my body's telling me to do. But mm-hmm. then I go into this meditation, and I lay on the ground at the end of my stretch, and I visualize myself as a kid at my hometown yard. Okay, so mm-hmm. I grew up on the lake. This is like very strange, but and I look down, and I can see my little feet in the earth and I look up and I can see the lake that I grew up on and then I fucking cry because I was a kid I knew that feeling of looking down and looking out and being like okay hold it together hold it I was just like you know like I know there's so much more than this yeah and then like here doing it and going for it wow wow childhood things and it's not even by choice it's just like when I shut my eyes like I automatically go to this like weird I don't know or I don't even know how to explain it but I do have these very spiritual 
connections at my nightly stretch and I do it every single fucking night. So like, I'm mm-hmm. so obsessed with doing consistent things. It's insane. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean that consistency, like you were like, I'm crazy. I do the same thing every day. No, I'm the same way. Like, I think that when you are creative, you have to have structure and like mm-hmm. things that you can repeat and like, but oh, for sure. that's, I love that you do like an intuitively led yoga, yoga stretching yeah. practice too. I think that when you let your body to move in a way like just that it wants to, because your body knows like it, it will know what to do. So you also kind of tap into that more intuitive spirit led part of yourself, moving your body okay. in that way. It takes you deeper into that meditation. I know you said, um, so you, are you not a yogi or do you practice yoga or is that like part of your me too it's been my goal for 20 years doing it I feel like the only reason why I would want to be a yogi (laughs) this sounds so weird but because you know I've been dancing for a really long time I've been going hard for a really long time and it would just be more so to repair my body (laughs) and keep it and I know that's you know well, that is part of yoga, but for me, I also am obsessed with the gym. So, mm-hmm. and it's not like, it's just kind of a quiet space because nobody talks to me. I can go there. I love sweating with intensity. Mm-hmm. So I know yoga is, you know, controlled and you will bust a sweat and it is like an intense workout. But for me, it's more like I need to be... Yeah very active and I love the sauna and so instead of spending the hour of the day doing a yoga practice I'd rather go to the gym and do an intense 30 minute workout and then a 30 minute sauna it's all about time management honestly yeah I'm like finding what works for you like everyone has a different like wellness fitness practice that works for them I love yoga yoga is pretty much like because I mean, this is a whole other rabbit hole, but like when I left dance, I had such like a poor relationship with my body. And then because I left dance, like I didn't really have any sort of a healthy relationship with movement. And then yoga was kind of the thing that like, I was like, oh, like it feels really good to move my body in this way. And then it kind of allowed me to like heal that relationship, gave me the space to be able to dance again, but like, like buddy. Um, but yeah, I love yoga and it love it. I'm like, damn, I need to get into this. But I'm like, wait, oh. should I be doing yoga? <laughs> well, you said you go into that meditative place after you do like your stretches. So it's yes. with the same thing. That's the same thing with a yoga class. And like the quote unquote most important pose in yoga is that final resting, like corpse pose on your back and you're in that meditative place. Like the whole point. Just like near a main road. Okay. Cool. <laughs> I think it's fading now. All right, we're back. <laughs> so they're starting your career throughout your career, starting your company. My struggles and learning lessons. Well, first of all, something that comes to mind when I think of struggle, just getting over that, which we already saw I pushed through and now I'm unfucking stoppable. <laughs> also, I feel like as far as Lomas Nasty goes, a big struggle is finding women who are Little Miss Nasty. And I know Little Miss Nasty is for everyone. It really, really is. And we want to represent and empower everyone across the board. That's the goal. Be one of 
the little miss nasties that wears that crown. It's a huge responsibility and you really have to be through and through ready for it because representing everything that a woman needs to see and feel is okay. You have to be comfortable with your sexuality. You have to be able to jump into these roles. You obviously have to be artistically talented and a great performer and all this and that. But a lot of times I'll see something in someone and we did already talk about this. I'm nasty and I pull them in and they're like, okay, okay. But then I quickly realize that they aren't ready. And it's just like, it's, it's hard for me because I'm like, just push through. I'm like, you can do this. I'm trying to empower them. And I do have a lot of women have breakthroughs that I bring in and they eventually become little miss nasty, but that's always a challenge. So now I'm trying to just let them come to me instead of me Mm -hmm. pursue people who I think are for little miss nasty and then spending time trying to develop them. And then it's time for me and back off and my time's wasted. Their time is wasted. It's like a whole thing. Another struggle along this process, I feel like is a lot of people and their misconceptions of what Miss Nasty is and just like having to explain and over explain and deal with Mm -hmm. that. Like as far as talent buyers or bidders or say, you know, we're going on this tour this fall. And when we're trying to get booked, our city is say Tulsa, Oklahoma. The promoter's like, well, I don't, I don't really understand, you know, and th- this did not happen, but I'm just giving an example. Um, mm-hmm. I don't understand, you know, like what this is and, you know, like we already have local burlesque shows and blah, blah, blah. And we don't really need this like weird stripper energy on stage or, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think our town is going to like it. And in some small, there's even been protests that were threatened to happen around the venue when we were performing because, small town women in middle America were like, oh, you're disgusting (laughs) whores are just going to have the men lined up salivating all over you. Like how disgraceful. We're never attending this bar again. If you perform just like, they don't know what little miss nasty Mm -hmm. is. People are Mm -hmm. so afraid of sex or art and it blows my mind. And so just the whole misconception of what it actually is. And we're like, honey, if you've ever been to a show, you would realize it's 75% women who are screaming their fucking faces off. Yeah, men come. Of course there's men, but it's like they don't understand. And at this point, I'm almost veering Little Miss Nasty away from the term burlesque because technically it's not. You know, it's cute to mm-hmm. say that because that is how we started. And, you know, our outfits are scandalous or whatever you may say. but it's so much more. And now we're a recording artist. Our show is a huge production of any one number where the girl rips off something, but it's like, you know, it's a full on artistic dark art production. And, uh, we're in this little rabbit hole of burlesque and we're having to explain like, no, it's more like a Las Vegas show. Think like Cirque mixed with this mixed with that. And just like always trying to prove that we're, more and that we aren't sex workers heartening um that's one big annoying lesson that's constantly coming up and another thing I feel like I've had to learn that's hard to swallow it's just like talk is cheap that's like all I have to say Mm -hmm. so many business deals 
so many opportunities right in front of your face. They'll never come through. You might never hear from this person again in your fucking life. You will get Mm -hmm. ghosted so many times that it's insane. And so never rely on anyone. (laughs) Never take them for their word. Um, I know this is like brutal and everyone should have like an open mind and like believe. But when it comes down to it, unless it's fucking written down, signed, sealed, delivered, nothing is guaranteed. And mm-hmm. so as many times as I've gotten my hopes up, like, oh, we're going to go tour Europe because this booking agent is going to book us, blah, blah, blah. And then nothing. And so it's just like, that's a kind of a hard pill to swallow because you want people to fulfill what they're pitching to you, you know, come in with good motives, make shit happen be the real thing but a lot of the times it's not so yeah it's hard (laughs) and when you're a well-intentioned person and you have doesn't say true to their word or doesn't act in integrity like it's hard so I good thing that you were able to touch on that because it's the truth you know we live in a human world and most people are completely ruled by their egos and other things People can be. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's crazy. The entertainment world is vile, but at the same time, it's gorgeous and beautiful. And once you stop getting offended or taking things personally, it's so much better. And you Mm -hmm. honestly, like being an artist, you're going to be like, I feel that. Like it hurts. You know, everything is so emotional and you're passionate. And, but I've learned this is probably not for the better because I would rather be an oblivious artist just like ah, everything's great all the time but I have a fucking stone cold wall up just I had to build this rock hard barrier to deal with this shit that I've been dealt you know over the past two decades in the entertainment business and not that I ever wanted to get into business or you know be a full-blown businesswoman but now I am and I can sit there in meetings and take shit and deal shit and it's you know you have to deal with fucking crazy people but as long as you're professional and you don't let your emotions out it's the worst but smart aside of the smart and hot the business minded you gotta you gotta having a business mind is a real thing and not have to take your emotions out (laughs) i'm crying okay well we're getting pretty much to a good spot but a couple more questions for you um Okay, so tell us some of the exciting things. Everyone always says that, but honestly, we are cranking this up beyond expected, just over the top. We are going out on tour. We're headlining a fall tour just for fun (laughs) because why not? You know, like, let's go take this, spread the message around. Um, That's starting October 19th. So coming up very, very soon. I still have so much preparation to do, but we're doing a four-week tour, which is a long mama, but it's very exciting. We're hitting a lot of markets we've already hit, and then I think we have four new cities that we've never performed at yet, so we're making a splash in some new towns and hopefully building our fan base there, and every time a new city, the show gets bigger and bigger and bigger, ideally which has been our case. And so, you know, we want to make the whole world nasty and spread our message of empowerment and let these women know all around and humans, not just women. Also, this is kind of top secret, but the past year we have been recording an album. 
So, Little Miss Nasty has been dropping singles for fun for our fans over the past couple of years. And uh, nobody really knows that we are taking this shit very seriously. And we're about to drop a seven song EP album in January. Our first single is coming out in October, which is not October, um, to help support our tour. And another single will drop shortly after. So exciting because these songs, not all of them, but some of them come with such a strong message um, that it could be very impactful for a lot of people. So we're not just hot. We're fucking coming with an empowering message. Um, this is something we're super passionate about because it did go down over the last year that helped us write this song almost instantly. Because as soon as we're triggered by some sort of, you know, chaos, immediately mm-hmm. I have a song about it. And that's the only mm-hmm. way I write songs is from life experiences. So some shit went down and it really ruffled our feathers And now we're making a big stink about it. And the song is called Buried in Sin. And it's fucking intense. And I feel like people are going to be crying, rejoicing. They're going to feel powerful. They're going to feel all the rage. It's sort of like a Rage Against the Machine vibe at some moments. You'll see. So Mm -hmm. we have a badass PR company that's starting to work for us next week. And we're really pushing this to take it to the next level and not just be some girl group in town or all around, but we want to be a women group, like a women's group. You know, there isn't really that out there right now that can sing and speak free topics that women are going through and to back it up with a badass show. So we're coming and we're coming fucking hot. So we're planning on having our album launch party in New York City. So you but you better be there. <laughs> and we do have about New York City as well. I can't say, and I was hoping I could, but just know we're coming okay. back. <laughs> All right. So well, we'll we'll do a little smart and hot announcement whenever we find out what it is too. Oh my god, I'm so excited. This is so exciting. We'll see where it other than that, we're relaunching in Las Vegas too in 2024. We have a new residency starting in LA in 2024. It's just starting after this tour, we're preparing immediately for January because there's a lot coming up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, you'll see it all unravel across our Instagram. Find us, follow along because we'll just be constantly dropping bombs. Yeah, absolutely. That was going to be my next question is where can everyone find you? I'll yes, link baby. all of the links in the description. I think it's at Little Miss Nasty Facebook. Probably like a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes Just Google we it. <laughs> Sometimes if we are a shadow band, um, you just have to look a little bit deeper. And considering all the censorship Instagram is throwing down on brands like us and other women just trying to share their art and whatever, maybe it's scandalous, maybe it's not. We are considering moving to a different platform, which will be announced soon. (laughs) So we can just share what we want to fucking share because we've been doing our damn thing for a decade on Instagram and now suddenly nothing we post is acceptable. It's just 
you know, one step forward, two steps back, I'm over being censored. I think it's bullshit, especially art. And Mm -hmm. I'm not doing porn or anything out of control. I'm posting a performance video where maybe butt cheeks are shaking. I'm sorry, but that's nothing's wrong with that. And if I can't post it there, then you'll have to come see me somewhere else soon. (laughs) I completely, completely feel you. Navigating social media as a woman and an artist is like the most frustrating annoying things sometimes it's just like why why the change you know if it's for the kids get an app that kids can go be kids on you know mm-hmm. instagram is on me for kids <laughs> they're trying to venture in that route though which is so unsan you know they're competing but at the same time you're really pissing a lot of people off no Okay, well, Lita, thank you so much for coming on. I'm, it's so amazing to hear from your perspective all about Little Miss Nasty. The reason I wanted to have you on is because I've been to the shows. I'm lucky enough to know a couple of dancers who have been in the show. So, like, I get it. And because I get it, I'm like, everyone has to know about this. Like, everyone has to understand the message. And you're so inspiring. Your story is so inspiring. So thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for having me. You're so beautiful. And I'm proud of you for doing this podcast and chasing your dreams. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in to today's episode. I hope you absolutely loved it and are feeling just as confident and badass and nasty as I did after listening. I will have Gina and Little Miss Nasty's links in the description so that you can easily go find them. If you enjoyed today's episode, it would mean the world to me if you left the show a review and a rating on whatever podcast platform you are tuning in on if you aren't already go follow us on social media at smart and hot nyc that's tiktok and instagram both at smart and hot nyc both of those links will also be in the show notes i hope that you have a beautiful rest of your day no matter who or where you are while listening to this episode and i will talk to you guys next week i love you so so much